Hey, Mike. Want some? No way, man. That stuff's illegal. I'm talking about marijuana. The burning weed with its roots in hell. <laughs> the suppression of the use of marijuana and of the forces lurking behind it are the most important jobs this department is now engaged in. Think about it. There's no reason a plant should be illegal in our country. Doesn't the idea of making nature against the law seem to you a bit paranoid? Think about it. Weeds. Those guys were the most fearless activists in the town who really put their money where their mouth was and pushed the envelope as hard as they could. In the end, they got busted and did federal pen time. They went to actually federal prison. And when they got out, they started again. So if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That's Mary Jean Dunstan, a celebrity in certain circles of Vancouver, Canada. She's a cannabis chef and activist, author of the Pot Pinup Cookbook, and the founder of the Licorice Parlor, an old-fashioned sweet shop with locations on the iconic Commercial Drive and Granville Island. She's also a longtime friend of Don Briere and Carol Gwilt. Vancouver has a lot of marijuana activists, and we activists have to stick together to stay safe, really. I think what's interesting about activists and why we're such a tight circle, for those who are true activists in that sense, and it seems a bit sillier talking about it now while it's legal, like a lot of that mental landscape is gone, it's in the history, but I still remember. And so there's a time in activism where you need to stick with your team and stay tight because when the police come to get you, it's that team that's gonna help get you out. And then over time, what's very interesting about being an activist, especially if you're very loud and proud and very vocal, then the police and the authorities are a little more apprehensive to come get you because in the past when marijuana was illegal, most people got charged, took a plea bargain and everybody went home. But they started to recognize very quickly that activists were not taking the plea bargain, myself included, that we demanded that they take these charges through courts and that they figure out exactly what they're charging us with. I think a lot of people went to jail because the police just slapped charges on them and then they swallowed a poisonous pill, took the plea bargain, and that was the end of that. So serious activists don't take plea bargains and they demand the courts and the governments tell us what's really happening and why. And so that's how we legalized weed, I think, in the end. We wore them down. Like Dawn and Carol, Mary Jean, a.k.a. Watermelon, was a prominent figure in the movement to legalize cannabis in Canada. She got her nickname in the days of selling watermelon slices and her signature cannabis cookies on a beach known for freedom and naked sunbathers. Mary Jean considers Don and Carol as leaders in the Vancouver pot activist scene. That reputation began when the two decided to team up to open one of the first pot stores of its kind in Canada. Don was still out on day parole after his 16-month stint in prison, and despite having just met him a few months prior, Carol knew Don was the right person to help her create her dream of opening a compassion club. He was just so enthusiastic, so positive. He was kind of, I don't know if radiant is the right word, but he was just a very positive person to be around, and he felt very confident. The fact that he had done time in prison was really shocking to me that such a nice person could go to jail for something like that. And uh, 
I just, I just wanted to be around him and help him. And I felt bad that he was in jail. I felt bad that I was part of a society that would do that to somebody. And it, it really hit home for me that people really do go to jail for a long time for helping people. In May of 2004, the Dekine Smoke and Beverage Shop was born at 1018 Commercial Drive in Vancouver, BC. Dekine is a Hawaiian hybrid word that can refer to almost anything, but is usually associated with something good and something genuine. Good and genuine are descriptors for Carol and Don's intention for the space. Don came up with the word Dekine, Dekine meaning the best. So whenever we opened up a store, that's what he wanted it to be called. The store that we ended up opening up on Commercial Drive, for me, it was my compassion club. For him, it was his marijuana store. So in the beginning, everybody that came into the store, we tried to get them to go to their doctor, fill out forms that we had printed out for them so they could get a doctor's recommendation, and then come back in and we sell them some cannabis but there weren't enough people around that could do that there weren't enough doctors that were recommending cannabis and so after several weeks and many many people coming in and leaving without a product and being very frustrated seeing the depths of despair some of these people are in we decided we need to open this up to everybody because we're not selling any pot here. Nobody's buying it medicinally, but everybody wants it. So then it just became, after that, a recreational type of affair in the store. The summer of 2004 was indeed a good one for Dawn and Carol. Business was abundant and their community was growing. Dekine attracted pot tourists from around the world and pot activists closer to home. Mary Jean was there in early days. They were literally selling marijuana just blatantly in the community. And as normal as it was, like, and they, they managed to make it appear normal. They had a person walking around with a dab rig. I mean, dab rigs weren't even a thing then. And a blowtorch giving people <laughs> butter dabs and stuff. You remember the story and what the bleep do we know anyways when they're explaining how when the boats were first coming over, maybe the Indians couldn't see them because if the mind has never seen that before, it's really hard to see. So I think that's what made it so special is they just went and opened up a store. It looked like any other store and just started selling weed and it looked very normal until they were only up six or seven months where they finally got shut down. But nobody that I know of had ever done anything as blatant and as ballsy as that until that day. And I think that fired up a lot of other people too. You know, it's really just a feeling you have inside, an impassioned feeling. And anybody who can add to those impassioned feelings creates an army of other activists. So that's where Carol and Dawn are very special in that they walked the walk, they talked the talk, they did the pen time, and they inspired young people to also stay the course. Dekine was the first location in Canada to distribute a cannabis concentrate called butter, which also caused a craze within weed culture. That was actually something special about Dekine too. Nobody had ever done that. So, you know, when people think of marijuana, they just think of this combustible dried plant. 
they don't think of all its other myriad of products that can be made from it like salves and butters and resins and so they just opened up Pandora's box they just opened up this wild world for people as the weather started to cool with fall's arrival Don and Carol's intentions for Dekine went up in smoke the shop was raided by Vancouver police on September 9th 2004 62 balaclava-clad officers took part in the operation at the small shop. Both Carol and Don did their best to avoid another arrest for Don. We just walked in the front door and we were at the back and I was walking out the back and I heard Carol scream. So I knew it was something's going down. I didn't get caught, I just kind of kept walking and one or two police officers ran past me and into the back of the store and jumped on a couple of people that were coming out the back door. And I went around the block and across the street, bought a Hawaiian shirt and a hat, watched the whole thing. There was literally hundreds of people there, right? Don and I had just gone out for ice cream. We were walking into the back of the store, into the office with our cones, and Don kind of lingered outside. And he was a few steps behind me anyways. When I got into the office, I started hearing this yelling and commotion coming from the front. And I looked at the security camera, which was right in front of me on my desk, and I could see these people just running in the door, and they're all dressed in black, and they're wearing balclavas and baseball caps. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I could hear, raid, raid, get down on the ground. And right away, I turned back to Don and I almost shoved him out the door. I said, you need to get out of here, go. And I opened the office door into the front area and immediately there was about four policemen just right in front of me. I said, what the hell is going on here? And the guy said, this is a raid. Are you the owner here? And I said, yes, I'm the owner. What's going on? And you know, he said, this is a raid and you're under arrest. There was 33 customers in the store at the time, and they were all asked to sit down on the ground and not move or anything like that. And then the police were able to identify seven people in there that were working and got them segregated and put them under arrest. They led me out the front door into a paddy wagon and they went through the 33 customers and they logged them all. They checked them all for criminal records and all kinds of information taken from our customers. And then they sent eight of us away in a paddy wagon to the Vancouver jail cells where we sat for the next 24 hours. Along with the people that Don and Carol employed and took care of, the Dekine shop was a big part of Mary Jean's world. Not only was it a place to gather with like-minded community, Don and Carol were the first to offer to sell her soon-to-be-famous cannabis cookies. They had supported her just as they had lifted up so many others. My heart was broken for Carol and Don because I knew that they were about to be locked up. But I think there was also, we couldn't believe it lasted as long as it did. They were selling eight dozen cookies a week for me at some point. Right? Every day I would just get on my tricycle. I had this little like scooter bike and I'd ride down there and sell them my cookies and go home once a week. So I guess when you heard they got raided, I mean, everybody knew it was coming. So it wasn't a huge shock. 
because how could they carry on with something this beautiful, <laughs> this elegant? It will never carry on. But, uh, and then my real concern was for Carol and Dawn and what their future held in terms of legal troubles. I think we rallied, a lot of us are really great about offering money. We're really great about hosting events and trying to raise money. John Conroy, one of our, our lawyers in town, very active about coming to help and get these marijuana activists out of jail, but nobody's a match for the federal government, really. <laughs> Carol and seven of her employees were arrested that night. Though Carol tried to protect him, Don was picked up a few days later and sent back to prison, his parole revoked. After 24 hours, Carol was released only to be arrested again when she did not follow the conditions of her bail. She was not supposed to be around her store, cannabis, or Dawn. For her, that was like taking away her lifeline. For Dawn, it's hard to talk about. She got arrested and went to jail, and I was uh, basically on, the, on parole and on the run. She was released on bail, and we wanted to continue operating because we knew that they were wrong and we were right. Again, forcing laws based on lies and misuse of our tax resources, that's for sure. We were going to continue on. They took all our material, so I had to get some more and I got arrested. They followed me to where I was and then they took me down and then from there they took me to prison. As for Carol, what is it like to be booked, fingerprinted, and jailed for creating a business you believe in and feel needs to have a place in the community? I never felt like a criminal. I never felt like I did anything wrong. I felt pretty strong. Like when they arrested me, they put me into jail. They kept me in city cells for seven days, and then they transferred me to Surrey pretrial. When I got to Surrey pretrial, Everybody was watching me on the news, and so when I got there, they're, they're calling me Dekine. Hey, Dekine, yay! While Carol was released from jail on her birthday, October 18th, 2004, Dawn was held in a maximum security prison for nine more months before beginning to serve new time for founding Dekine. The two were not allowed to see one another. That was extremely hard because I couldn't even go see him. We had a no contact order, so I couldn't see him in prison, couldn't talk to him. It was very difficult. For a second time, Dawn was deprived of quality sunshine and food while in jail. The punishment still could not deter him. His resolve to stand up against pot laws was stronger than ever. He is so inspiring. He, he's... He's been through so much. He had his son die when, you know, of a heroin overdose, and that doesn't kick you down, I don't know. He's been a millionaire four times in his life, you know, through his businesses and whatnot, and getting kicked down, and then coming back in and, you know, being successful again. He just, he doesn't know how to stop. He's the most positive person I have ever met in my life. He doesn't have a negative thought in his head about anybody or anything. He sees the plus of everything. While Carol and Dawn grappled with heavy charges and the reality of losing their shared vision, the disappearance of Dekine in the community fans the flame of the fight to legalize cannabis. It created this huge groundswell. And after we were raided, we set out a petition and we had 14,000 signatures in it. Very quickly, 
you know, it created this huge uprising of people who weren't speaking out before and now they're speaking out. You know, everything just amped up after that in all of Vancouver. Like people came out to rallies more and people came out to protest. There was always something going on where we're involved. Lots of people show up for court dates and whatnot and people were supporting each other and it, it was really picking up somebody said at the time well legalization isn't going to happen in our lifetime and you know it just made me so mad to hear that and, you know when there's so many of us working so hard at getting legalization to happen and there was a lot of people getting on board though mary jean was part of the uprising among local activists and pot enthusiasts she agrees with Carol that punitive action against a kind only seemed to increase the motivation to normalize and legalize. The first one comes along and shows everybody else that it can be done, right? With a little bit of perseverance and a whole lot of hard work, things can happen, you know? So I, I just think at the end, when everybody saw what they had done, what they had accomplished, then that gave everybody else a little more chutzpah to carry on with their own activism. So that's just more value than anything else, right? Almost a full two years after the raid, the loss of their business and dream, Carol is sentenced to 17 months in a provincial jail. She ends up doing eight and a half with time served. It would be two more years of waiting before Dom Briere will learn his fate. One thing is certain. His dedication to creating places to offer quality cannabis does not waver. More jail time or not, he knows he'll be back bigger and better than ever. I